Hello ninjas and ninjets and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim, I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja and best-selling digital marketing author. This show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales online. And in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Madhav Bandari from Hubstaff. Now Hubstaff is an online tool that you can use and if you have a distributed remote team, they can all install it on their computers, it tracks their work and allows you to do things like invoicing and scheduling and all that type of stuff. It's really awesome. We use it at Exposure Ninja. The reason we wanted to get Madav on the show is because we've watched Hubstaff grow before our eyes. We signed up as very, very early users, I think in 2012 or maybe even 2013 when they were first starting out. The last three years, they've gone from 220K to 4 million in revenue. So we brought Madav on the show to talk about exactly how they've done that. Now they're doing a lot of SEO, a lot of content marketing, writing blogs, which are going to get ranking and then turning those visitors that are coming in organically into free trial signups. So we talk about exactly the strategy behind that. We also talk about some of the stuff that hasn't worked, which they would have expected to work. For example, they found that driving people to an email list actually wasn't a particularly effective channel for them. So he talks us through that and also explains their 5% conversion rate on their website, which is freaking awesome. So enjoy the show and don't forget to let us know what you think by tweeting at Exposure Ninja or drop us a note on our Facebook page. Madhav, welcome to the show. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me here. Awesome. So first off, big picture, what is Hubstaff and how do you guys make money? I mean, Hubstaff is uh, you know, we're a time-tracking platform. We help teams, distributed workforces work together, make it easy to you know, build clients. You've got you know, different, different tools for different specific needs. You've know, you got track time, invoice clients, uh, pay your team from platform, all of that stuff. So it's kind of like an A to Z for you if you're, if you're working with agencies and clients and want to kind of professionalize your business, if that makes sense. Yes, definitely. And actually, I should say we use Hubstaff in Exposure Ninja. We got a team of 60. Everyone is remote. I think it'd be very difficult to run our business without having the ability to track and, and measure how long people are working. So, uh, so that, a big thank you for the product. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. So how long have you guys been going? And give us a sense of the scale. How big is Hubstaff now? So we've, we started out in 2012. So it's been six years now. And right now we make, uh, I mean, we've got about 200,000 plus users at the moment and about um, you know 20,000 plus teams. Um, we are using it across the world, and we're making about four million in uh, annual revenue at the moment. And you know, Hubstaff was a time tracking platform when it started out, but now we've actually got like a suite of products. So you know, we've got a freelance platform and got an upcoming project management tool. So it's kind of like this whole ecosystem that we're building. So yeah, I mean, that's where we are. And I think yeah, like uh, you know, back then we were like a team of four or five, 2013, 14, now with a team of 41 people working remotely. Awesome, dude. That's awesome growth then from 220K to 4 million in, I think it's 220 to 4 million in three years. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Incredible. So I read that you guys have tried over 100 plus ways of getting customers before settling on the top 20% that delivered the best results. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. That, that was our way of going with the early stage growth strategy. I basically joined Hubstaff's um, 
I was actually their first marketing hired and joined like at a very early stage when we just figured out product market fit. And the thing was that, you know, we, we didn't know that what's going to work and what's not going to work. We had a list of ideas, list of marketing tactics that our competitors were using. We had a list of tactics that were trending on <laughs> communities like Growth Hackers and Inbound. And then we had a bunch of tactics that you know, were recommended by people that worked for them. But we didn't really know what was going to work for us. So the way we you know, went off with our early state strategy was for the first six months, we tested out like, like literally more than 100 tactics, you know, each different from the other with varying scales of uh, success. And it was basically us scoring each of these tactics. So we used to do like three tactics a week for like a good six months. By the end of the six months, we reviewed back at, you know, which ones got most customers, which ones did. And then, you know, once we scored them, we identified that, all right, these are the top 20% that kind of got us more customers or got us more brand coverage or whatever our goal was at that time. And that basically became the foundation of our marketing strategy. And then since then, we are basically either scaling some of those channels to the point where they stopped working or we're, you know, just looking out at bigger channels, trying to see how we grow as a company. Awesome. So let's forget 20% for the moment. What are the marketing channels in the top 5% for you guys right now? What are like the, the core handful of things that you're doing, which you know is repeatedly turning into new customers? Yeah, I mean, so our biggest one is um, SEO. It seems to be working really well for us. We get like 50, 60% of our customers uh, we we actually invest a lot in the content side. Uh, um, you know, we like we've, right now we just published like a, an article a week, but it's actually there's a lot of customer research that's happening before a piece of content is already uh, is is being written. So yeah, I mean, so SEO works really great for us. We um, you know we've got different pages. We've got different pages for certain industries for certain niches, for certain um, integrations. We're kind of expanding around the whole SEO site. So that was a big channel. I can expand on that, but I can just give you a list of other things. Let's go into that in a bit more detail because I'm I'm super interested on the content marketing side of things in particular. One, one of the things that a lot of people do is they'll write blog posts which maybe get lots of traffic, but they don't turn into customers. And I know that you guys are are really good at turning that traffic into customers. So I just want to get a sense for you um, of, of the process that you go through before writing a blog post and once you've written that post, what you do with it to make sure that it's not just increasing vanity metrics, but actually turning into new Hubstaff teams? Yeah, great question. So 100% agree with you on that. Like, um, we actually were one of those people. We used to publish a lot of posts, which just get a lot of traffic and lots of social shares. It used to make us very happy, but um, <laughs> it didn't get any customers. A perfect example was, um, I'm not sure how long we've been customers, but... Uh, like way back in 2015, we used to invest in a lot of content related with startups. You know, how to test a startup idea, you know, how to you know build a you know it's a product to size of service, how to build a scale a marketing team, how to scale a remote team, all of this content. And the thing is that the startup world is really great at sharing, reading all of that stuff. But after publishing that for one year, I used to publish like two lessons every month easily, and we never got a single customer. And that's when we realized that it's going to have a lot of controversial reaction, but startups are actually the worst customers you can 
Costco, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, they're never going to buy stuff. They're always going to either stay at the free plan. Anyway, I mean, I, I'm just kidding here. But yeah, for us, it just didn't work out. So that's when, um, you know, we had to relook into understanding what really got us customers uh, and then kind of making sure that we service them more and, you know, just try to identify what goals we have. So I'll start from the beginning. So before we create a piece of content, we are very clear that we're only going to create a content if we know that there's an audience that needs it. So like we'll do a lot of SEO research to understand there's enough keyword volume. We're going to obviously try to understand where we can promote the content before even creating it. So we know that, uh, you know, it can be, can it be promoted in the community and we partnered in a, you know, a co-promotion list with another company, community, um, or is it, like, can you go on to Reddit? Is there a subreddit? Or is there a Facebook group? Are there enough people to service those, that specific content? So if there isn't, then it doesn't make sense because you're essentially just going to get close to that. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's our first step. And then the second step is kind of trying to understand what's already out there. So, you know, we do a lot of different things. Like, for example, one of the tools that we use is uh, SEMrush. They've got this cool feature which allows us to see like the top, like analyze the top 20 results in Google and try to understand what they've written and how good that quality is, both from an SEO standpoint and mm. from a content quality standpoint. So if you if you, if you want to come in there, you definitely have to be better than that top 20. Uh, it's it's something I've picked up from this, uh, you know, this SEO guy, you know, uh, Ryan Fishkin, right? So mm-hmm. he had this philosophy of building 10x content, and that's what we started investing a lot in. Like, there's no point in creating mediocre content. And I will admit to the fact that if, you know, had you looked back into our blog archives about a year back um, until we realized that we had shit content, um, if we were creating some really, really bad pieces of content. It was just, you know, top five things, top five that, all of that, you know, listicles with lots of speakers and all of that. It just, it was stupid. It was meaningless. So, yeah, I mean, we invest a lot in the customer research side, just trying to understand if there's a market, and then we create content. So you mentioned they're also having a, the distribution in mind before you write that. If there's no distribution channel, you don't write the piece. So for example, I'm looking at one on the blog now, which is about productivity tips for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how to focus on the right work with, those, with these simple productivity techniques. So today, there's probably a million pieces of content written about productivity. How do you make sure that that is getting through to the right people and turning into leads? Yeah, that's a great question. So this was actually, this came in from, so you know, we've got uh, like a search thing here that allows us to see what people are searching on to our blogs. We see a lot of people asking about how to be productive at work, all of that, you know, different, different things. Yeah, and then through that, we identified that there were a lot of people searching for something like this. And basically, we, we had an article about employee productivity. We actually had six articles and each of them just mediocre. And what we did was we collated all of that in one piece and then added some more tidbits on top of it just to create like this one massive piece. Um, and then I understand that it's it's difficult because productive work productivity space is so competitive. It's, an article is probably being published every minute or something, right? But the thing that we realized is that because at HubStuff we have you know a feature particularly related with work productivity, especially in this new era of 
being productive while working remotely and that stuff. We just thought that this could kind of potentially get like a stream of those kind of customers. But it's just a trial and test on this. We know that it's going to get traffic, but beyond that, uh, the conversion side of things, it's, it's a whole other story that I can tell you about. Got it, got it. Okay. And then and I can also see posts like looking for a review of freelancer.com. So very clearly there, you're targeting people who are searching for, I guess, freelancer.com yeah. review, and you're getting them onto the site because you know that they're going to be working with freelancers. So they're a potential hub staff user. So is that the thought process? And and once you've got that person, what are you trying to do with them with the blog post? Are you trying to get them into a free trial, I'm assuming? Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's a little more different to this. It's like, you were 100% right that we're getting all of these people, but it's it's like we're targeting a lot of different industries. Each have varying levels of how big these customers are going to be. So like you guys, you're a digital marketing agency with 60 people. You're like one of the more bigger customers, while freelancers would be like one user uh, you know, or maybe like two users using that account. So essentially what we try to do is, and most of the freelancers need to be free users. So we basically have a freelance platform called HubStuff Talent, which is like one of the products we built out in 2016. Uh, and, you know, and basically, it's like most of the freelancing world operates on a very percentage fee model. So, you know, they charge anywhere between mm-hmm. 5 20%, which is a lot. And then payment processes take another 8%. We created a free platform. And we're channeling these people to that platform. And the whole goal is that the HubStuff Talent is a 100% free product. But our goal is that it's going to become like a honeypot product for us to, you know, create an organic channel for leads. Like most of the freelancers would have time tracking departments. A lot of the freelancers work with a lot of agencies or clients, and these are the people that want customers for us. So we go from looking for a review to freelancer.com, we're taking that up stuff talent, where they're nurtured, where they find value in it, and then they move to the time tracking product. Hi guys, very quick interruption. It's Tim here, the host of the show. Um, I just wanted to let you know that our best-selling digital marketing book, How to Get to the Top of Google, this book has taught more businesses about SEO than any other book, is now completely rewritten and released on Amazon and soon on Audible as well as an audiobook. So go and check it out on Amazon, How to Get to the Top of Google. Check out some of the reviews. It's completely rewritten. We take you behind the scenes of our client campaigns, explain the strategies that the team here at Exposure Ninja uses to help our clients get better ranking for their websites. We lay it all out in the book. There's nothing spared. So go and have a look, How to Get to the Top of Google on Amazon or Audible. Um, I want to transition to asking you about your call to action, if that's okay. So the thing that you're driving people through to in the middle of all the blog posts and around the rest of the site is the free trial with no credit card required. How well does that work for you guys? And are you happy to share some indication of website conversion rate to this free trial? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's very highly debatable because credit card thing is like, once you actually move in to then once you actually sign up uh, and you actually move into the product side, what we do is the first thing we show on the in-app page is kind of like signing up for one of these organization plans and we kind of just you hit in the free plan side of things. And so we get like about 130,000 visitors, unique visitors coming onto the blog and I think easily about half a million coming in on our main site, uh, which is hubstuff.com. And they're all coming in through different sources, you know, some through SEO, some through partnerships, you know, that stuff. And we usually get 
it's it's a lot of different conversion rates because you know conversion rates going to be super high for someone coming in through an integration partners page versus someone coming in through a native search or someone coming in from the blog sure. checking or hub stuff right so but on an average we see a conversion rate of somewhere about 5% and approximately that's awesome yeah it's great but the real challenge comes in is uh, to get them from the 14 day trial to eventually get on to a paying plan that's like the harder part because people are people will be fine to try the free trial I mean, get the free trial starting but they set up the account they just you know let's say don't come back so we've put in process to make sure that they make that first step of tracking time that's kind of like that aha moment and then once mm-hmm. they do that um, that's when you know they can really start seeing the full value of the uh, software Love that. So just to make sure I understand the numbers, is it half a million coming in through various content partners and um, integration partners and to Hubstuff core pages and then 130,000 a month coming in through the blog? Was that right? No, no, no. 130,000 are on the blog. And from 130,000, there's a percentage of the blog visitors that come from the site. I'd have to check the numbers on that. But I'm assuming it's something like uh, let me just try to remember. It was something like, um, I think we start about uh, 500 trials from the blog itself. So, yeah, do the math. Okay, I'm trying to do the math in my head. So it's not a massive conversion rate, but hey, that's 500 trials that you wouldn't be getting yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Yep. Even though conversion rate is small, that's a pretty decent volume of traffic that's coming through the blog. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, so again, that's what I'm saying, right? Like 130,000 isn't 100% directed towards time tracking. Uh, a lot of it also goes mm-hmm. to the other products that we go to. So conversion, the actual conversion rate is actually fairly high. And we're always working on it. Like our CRO processes are like, there was a point in time where they actually became too complicated to the point that we're tracking literally every single bit of click here and there. Is the entire reader experience fair? <laughs> it, it, I mean, there's no limit to it, you know, to be honest. It's like, you can go to yeah. as level of detail in terms of UTM tagging. And we've also, like we use this, is this uh, analytics tool called Mupra that allows us to mm-hmm. really go super deep into each visitor's activity. So, you know, that's that's another whole world in terms of identifying, oh, that's where they're moving, are they moving from this page to this page, is that a important thing or something like that. We spend a lot of time on the Seattle side. What have been your top learnings from all of that tracking? I completely agree. It's like a rabbit hole, isn't it? It never ends. So, yeah. Like, what are the areas that you're most focused on? I'm guessing it's not things like button color, right? <laughs> no, I mean it's not. It's not button color. It's more like we used to we used to have lots of different CTAs in each blog post. So something would be a content upgrade. The other one would be a lead magnet. One would be for time tracking. One would be for hub stuff talent. And it used to confuse the visitor, and it's confusing for us also because it's so hard for us to track the different goals from so many articles. Like we've got like at least 800 articles on the blog. So what we've started focusing on is one goal per post. Uh, so over time, as you see on our blog, you'll see that we just have one CTA. They're not going to be pop-ups and slide-in CTAs in the top bar and you know, annoying CTAs coming in, flying in and out everywhere. It's just going to be one simple CTA. It's going to be very heavily tested. You see one, and you're going to focus a lot on the reader experience. But they get full value um, right at the right moment. Click on CTA. I think that's like the biggest takeaway for us in terms of CRM. Awesome. Your blog layout is so super, super simple, isn't it? Just like you say, exactly focusing on 
the content, getting them really the content they need. And then you've got that yeah, um, sticky bar at the top for starting the free trial. So the CTA is always visible. They, they can't escape it, yeah. but you're not kind of bombarding them with loads of sidebars and stuff like that, like we do on our site. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's again, like if it works for you, it's best, you know, because the, the thing is that these CTAs are what is funding the content. And if you can't just generate money out of it, then why not? But the, I think we just cross the line sometimes as marketers, you know, we, had like six months mm. CTAs. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys promote your content, but if you have a blog with lots of CTAs and you promote it on places like Reddit, you're going to be criticized so much. Like they're going to rip you apart. <laughs> they're going to be like, oh my God, your blog is like, yeah. you know, one of those 1 million website pages with lots and lots of ads and all of that stuff. Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, it's all about, for, for your site, it's all about readability, isn't it? And that's going to reflect in time on page. That's going to help you these, these pages rank better. It's, um, yeah, very clean, very neat. Yeah. So I want to ask you about successes and failures. In that list of things that you were testing, the 100 plus marketing channels, are there any in there that you thought, okay, this is going to be an absolute home run. This is a, you know, this is a done deal, but it ended up being really unprofitable or even a complete waste of time? So it's the thing is that there's, there's a lot of those things, but it's more like what I told you about the 100 plus tactics is almost four years back. And today it's, it's a lot different. So the thing is that at, at back in like 2014, 15, our goal was to hit like half a million in annual revenue. And today we are like at 4 million. And our goal is to have hit like 10 million plus in revenue. So some of the tactics that maybe didn't work out when we were at that stage of half a million they didn't work, but they seem to be showing results right now. So it changed a bit, bear in mind right. about that. But I'll tell you the things that didn't work for us back then. I think email was one of the biggest like letdowns for me. Like we invested a lot in building the email list to have, you know, lots of posts with content upgrades. Um, you know, we had a lot of different lead magnet side projects, you know, different, different calculators here and there, all of that stuff. And we amassed a blog subscriber list of like 30,000 plus subscribers. It's a lot bigger now, but I'm talking about back in 15. Mm-hmm. And it was, and then once we had this email list, we thought we'd nurture all of these visitors into customers. We used to have all of these drip campaigns uh, to lead them into you know, becoming customers. The conversion rate is like 0.03%, which is, yeah, wow. it's just bad, right? So that was, that was a huge letdown. But that's what I'm saying. Like email is something that you kind of need to revisit because the one thing that's true is that email is like uh, an evergreen marketing sound. Like it's never going to die down. There's not going to be any algorithmic platform update and you're going to lose your traffic one day. You know? It's there. So it definitely is useful to invest in this, but the tricky thing is to convert that to customers. I think that is one of those things that didn't work for us. I think the other thing that didn't work for us was uh, sales, outreach, cold emailing, all that stuff. And that kind of made mm. sense because our product is a very no-touch uh, product. You know, we've got a whole onboarding procedure and the average customer pays us like $40 a month. So you know, we had like the sales process, you know, a virtual assistant and client sales, just emailing lots and lots of people, um, you know, like marketing our product and we test a lot of pitches. But the funny thing was that if we reached out to 10,000 prospects, we get like, three or four customers the size that you guys are. And yeah, wow. and that, was, that didn't make sense because you've got two people working on it full, you know, 100% of their time. 
and it just the metrics didn't work out for us. So that's when we decided that maybe sales is not the thing that's going to work for us. We kind of closed that channel. And it made sense. Maybe now it's something like, because now we're approaching a much bigger stage. Um, and, you know, maybe potentially in the future we might look at enterprise. So then a sales team might make sense. But with a low-touch product and a super SMB-focused product, it's kind of uh, didn't make sense. Yeah, sure. I guess I guess with two people, like the CPA is going to be super high on that. Whereas forty dollars a month, you need to keep CPA as low as possible, which I guess is why the inbound yeah, makes yeah, sense. Exactly. And considering like, like so, our LTV is something like eight hundred dollars, and if you're spending like one hundred dollars getting that customer, <laughs> it's yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah. That, yeah, and just one third thing didn't work for us. That was a huge letdown. By the third is uh, advertising. Just weren't able to make metrics work. Tried a lot. Eventually, kind of gave up on the advertising. I mean, we still have a little bit going on now. We're trying it again, but uh, tried it for like a good two years. It just didn't work out for us. Super interesting, and congrats for sticking with the you know with the content marketing side of things because it can be a it can be a slower burn, can't it? Was there ever a time when you guys were a bit worried when you were trying these different channels and things didn't seem to be working, especially things that you would have thought might have worked? Something like email. Was there a bit of tension going on like oh shit like how are we going to do this or was it all just ah no we just try loads of stuff we'll see what sticks oh yeah for sure so many like um, one of the biggest tensions that we had at that time was uh, I mean we constantly had it we had it six months back as well was you kind of hit the ceiling in terms of traffic like let's say back in 16 with all of the content promotion going in we hit the ceiling at like 20,000 visitors a month and at that time we stuck there for like a good five four or five months and we are like how are we going to get past this? It's going to be super hard. We tried everything and we finally thought that, finally discovered that SEO is going to take us there. So from 20,000, we moved to 60,000 and we hit the ceiling at 60,000 just over month. And then we stuck at that 60,000 milestone for a very long time. We just couldn't figure out that, is it like the end of the market or is there more to it? And where do we expand to all of that stuff? And then there was a lot of brainstorming, a lot of challenging months at that time. We eventually figured out something and that kind of pushed out about 130,000 visitors that you see today. And it is something we keep questioning all of the time. And there will be a time you know, when, you know, the industry in itself, like there would be a ceiling to it, that maybe that's it, that's the amount of traffic that you can get. So that's when we kind of start, like we invest about 20% of our water just keep figuring out what's going to be the next thing that's going to work for us. We're right now thinking very long term that what's going to sustain us for the next 5, 10, 15 years. So is it content strategy or is it going to be other things? Is it going to be a whole partner ecosystem or is it, you know, it's, it's a lot of different, different high-level thinking happening there. But yeah, I know I moved a little away from the content marketing side, but that's the story there on the, uh, on the marketing side. Last question before we wrap up with some quick fire. Where you said the goal is, is the goal 10 million now? Like, where do you see Hubstaff in five or 10 years? Where, how big is this thing going to be? So right now, our goal is uh, at the end of next year to like hit 12 million. So it's kind of like a massive goal. And yeah, I mean, we're, we're growing super big. So right now, we're kind of expanding into a lot of uh, categories. And there's a lot of soul searching happening in the last couple of months to understand what's the vertical that we want to be leaders in. And, you know, we've, we're kind of slowly, you know, like perfecting that vision. And we're now thinking you know, in a more um, time-tracking space, you're going to be like super deep into it. Uh, in the next 10 years, we're looking at a lot of different 
features, servicing a lot of different industries at you know different different price points. So it's, it's a lot of exciting things coming ahead. Awesome, awesome. We'll be along with the we'll be along with you for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Thank you. Okay, we've got a quick fire three questions to finish. Um, mm-hmm. So super quick answers, just the first thing that comes off the top of your head. So if you could only pick one marketing channel, what would it be? Got to be email. Got to be email. Okay. Why email? You said email doesn't work. It doesn't work, right? But I just, like the thing is that with SEO, with Facebook or with anything else, it's all dependent on another provider. If they make any updates, right. you But email is the only thing that, like email or maybe a little high level more like, uh, building a community. That's the thing that I would uh, choose. Got it. You want control. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not control, like a community backing you and like being there for you, you know, when the yeah. product was done. Yeah. Got it, got it. It's almost like building a fan base, I guess. Okay, question yeah. two. If you absolutely had to 10x Hubstaff sales in the next year, but you had unlimited marketing budget, what's the first thing that comes to mind that you would do? Uh, first thing, yeah, SEO. I mean, we'd create uh, lots and lots of great content pieces. We'd create industry-wide papers. Um, and yeah, kind of uh, just try to win literally every little that's out there surrounding even remotely close to our product. Love it, love it. SEO, love it. I mean, as an as someone who runs an SEO agency, it makes my day to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third question, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice on your day one with Hubstaff, what would it be? Yeah, I think just spend a lot of time critically thinking about my own marketing challenges versus, you know, what people are saying that, hey, you know, you know, this guy is a drifter doing the LinkedIn video or, you know, someone else doing this or Ethan Shah says something, all of that stuff. That doesn't matter. It's really uh, you trying to understand the problem and then trying to tackle it with your own mindset because that way you might discover a channel before it's discovered by everyone else. Love that. So not becoming obsessed by the hype, just focusing on what's most important to you. Right, exactly. Amazing. Madhav, thank you so much for taking us behind the scenes of Hubstaff's growth and congrats for everything you've achieved so far. Thank you, Tim. So happy. And yeah, thanks for answering all the great questions, uh, asking all the great questions. Cheers, buddy. Talk soon. All right. See you.